it's Casey here, and I am bringing you Unicorn Teachers. On my podcast, I like to share tips and tricks about online teaching, and sometimes I share different fun interviews about just awesome teachers around the world. So today we are going to Italy to talk to my awesome friend, Miss Shayla. So she's been there for quite a while now, and we're going to hear all about her story, and I'm so excited to bring that to you and share it with you. So by all means, let's go ahead and bring on Miss Shayla. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Oh, so awesome. I'm really happy to have you join us today. Yeah, I'm happy we finally got to be able to contact each other. I know, definitely. Yeah, you know, with all this quarantine stuff, it's just great to have something fun to do. So, yeah. Definitely. So, Michelle, can you tell us about yourself and what brought you to Italy? So, originally, I came to Italy, it was kind of a fluke, to be honest. I was going to a community college. I'm from Northern California. It's a tiny little town called Grass Valley, a little old mining town. And so I was going to a community college, and I found out that my community college studies abroad for three months every semester. So once they do France, and another time they do foreign Italy. And I don't really know how to explain it into words, but when I saw the flyer for foreign Italy and I saw the word, It just hit me that that was my destiny. I just had to go. Hmm. And it was a very, very long process to get there. I failed many times. My parents initially told me that they would help me with the financial part, which was about 10 grand to do the school course with the housing and the apartment fees and everything else and the plane. And so Hmm. I tried to find a way to earn the finances. I went to banks to ask for small loans. I was only 19 at the time, so of course they said no. (laughs) So after I kept failing and I couldn't find a way to pay for this school program, I decided I was going to find a different solution because I was so determined to go. I just like can't explain the determination I felt. I just had to go to Florence. I had to. Mm -hmm. So then I found a different solution and I became an au pair. And being an au pair led me to Trento, which is in the north of Italy. And I was paid a really good amount of money. I had a place to stay and I had food. So it really lowered my financial burdens. So I just had to pay for the plane ticket, which was at that time with the conversion fees. It was about like 2000 And even then, I, I kept raising my money and I kept saving as much as I possibly could. And I still was, I think it was about $500 short. Wow. And so I was, a very, I was like one month, I finally found a family to work for. And they had two kids, one was three, one was six. And they paid really well, and I really, really wanted to go. And then finally, my mom pulled me aside, and she said, I've seen the determination you've had in the last year, and we're going to pay for your ticket. So that money that you saved, you use for you and to take care of yourself while you're there. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was quite the journey, and I usually get this very offhand comment always, oh, you're so lucky. I was like, oh, that drives me nuts because luck had nothing to do with it. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of determination, a lot of sacrifices, a lot of frustration, and just this dire need to go. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't make it to Florence. I was up in the north of Italy. So I did one year in Trento, and then I came home. I finished my last six months of school, and I got my associate's degree in business. And then I found a photography school in Florence, and I was able to sign up. And this time around, my mom, she decided to help me out pay for the tuition. It was only 3,000 euros for an eight-month program. So that was much better than any photography school that I had found in the United States. So she decided to pay for my tuition, and there I was on my way to Florence. 
Oh, so cool. Wow. Amazing. Very cool. Yeah, it was quite the journey, and a lot of people don't know that, that it was very, very hard, and it was a one year before he left. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, so that was almost 10 years ago was when I first left in May, when I left, and it would be 10-year mark. And then I arrived in Florence eight years ago. Nice. That's really awesome. So then when did you meet your husband? That's an extra question. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so my husband's name is Valerio. He is Florentine. And he was the first person I met in Florence, actually. Oh. <laughs> so you may know Casey. My husband and I rent apartments. And mm-hmm. I rented an apartment from him through my school. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, this landlord is so cute. <laughs> this is dangerous. Like, I'm going to ignore him completely because I really like the apartment. <laughs> I don't want to risk it. And I just got to Italy the second time around, and I said, no, I really want to make a life here. I, I don't want to be distracted by men. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he was the very first person I met wow. because he showed me my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and then another really funny story is when I first came to Florence, it was the first day of this really heavy rain season. Oh. And it just rained and rained and rained, and it was just rain for three months straight. It would not stop raining. Wow. And consequently, when I left California, that's when the California drought started. Oh. So my husband tells me that I took the rain from California <laughs> and brought it to Italy. <laughs> yeah, it must have been something like that. Um, no, but luckily it's turning around. Well, that's good. So funny. It's amazing. I love it. So him and I have been together for eight years, and then we've been married for five. Wow, that's so amazing. It's so cool to know your story. <laughs> and that's really awesome that he was like the first person that you met in Italy, in Florence. <laughs> it's really weird. And, uh, I never believed in love at first sight. I really didn't. I just thought it was something in the rom-com movies, you know? Mm, right. <laughs> but then the moment I saw him, I just knew. I knew he was going to be my... It was like I met my soulmate. Like, you Aww. just know. Yeah. yeah. He's my best friend. We love each other very deeply. Not to say that we haven't had our moments. I think every couple has. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely my best friend. And that's, I'm super, super thankful for him. Aw, that's really sweet. That's amazing. It's great that you have such a wonderful relationship. Yeah, definitely. It's really important to find a good friend in your partner because it'll get you through the rough times. Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally believe that. (laughs) It makes all the sense in the world. Yes, and that's so cool. And yeah, so that's how I met you and your husband is because I stayed at your place in Florence. And so this is so awesome. And, you know, your place is really amazing. So, you know, what's really funny is that I rented the same apartment that you stayed in. Oh, you did? So we had the same start pretty much. Wow, (laughs) yeah. Oh, that is really something. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I never expected I would become the owner of that apartment. Oh, wow. Maybe that's where luck happened. (laughs) Right, yes. So luck came in just a little bit later, but... A little nudge, yes. Yeah. That's awesome, and that's cool that you started off there initially as an au pair, because that's that's what I did, too. First, before I went to Florence, um, a couple years before that, I was an au pair in uh, Cittadella, and so that's mm. also northern Italy. So, yeah, very cool. <laughs> it's very, very hard work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It you know, when you, when you think of babysitting, you're like, oh, I babysat before. It's like, no, this is, this is totally different. Right. Yeah. Like babysitting on steroids. Right. 
but yeah, I mean, it's fun, but yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a cool experience, though. <laughs> so that's I awesome. I do have to say, doing it at au pair at 19 years old was amazing birth control. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> You're like, I love kids, but I don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that is true. That's funny. And, you know, a lot of 19-year-olds today have kids, so that's definitely something to <laughs> <laughs> that maybe some oh that's gonna be straight so maybe they should come and do it too <laughs> right I feel like that would just open their eyes so much <laughs> I mean I always tell all of my friends you have to travel when you're young because when you're young you have such a free soul it has no worries mm -hmm. you don't really like sweat the, the the big grand things and you just kind of live in the moment and yeah. yeah it is nice to travel when you're older but you as you grow older you have all these responsibilities to friends to family to house to work and it just seems like time escapes you but not only that but when you're traveling as you know it's really uncomfortable mm -hmm. it's so uncomfortable with all the planes the trains the cars everything right <laughs> and it takes so much physical energy so i'm just so so thankful that from i got this crazy drive to go to europe <laughs> at a young age because i saw so much when i was living as an au pair i would every weekend i went to a new town wherever the train could take me <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah and it's really cool about being in Europe is, you know, so many different amazing places are accessible through train. So amazing. Everything's so close too and it's really affordable. Like what I think the most expensive part of this whole journey is the initial ticket to get here. Mm. And then after that, like everything is pretty smooth. Yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah, it's funny. I've been having that conversation with several different people um, and it's like you could just, you know, hop on a train or a plane and go somewhere to a different country, a different area for just like 20 euros. Sometimes it's more, but you know, mm -hmm. mostly. They have little hopper flights for like 80 to go to different countries. Right. Not too far off. And I always tell my friends and family because they were like, oh my gosh, the, the dream, like Italy is very romanticized, but it does have its problems. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. I feel Italian. I don't feel American, which <laughs> my friends give me flack about constantly. <laughs> I totally embrace. I feel at home here for the very first time in my life. Just mm -hmm. fell absolutely head over heels with everything about Italian culture, Italian people, Italian food. Oh, Can yeah. we talk about the food? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite? What are some of your favorite Italian dishes? <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so many. Um, my favorite dish of all time is called tortelli, and it's tortelli di patate. Mm. And it's a it's from Mugello, which is the region next to Florence. Mm -hmm. And it's a potato ravioli. Oh. And then it has any sauce that you want. So sometimes my husband and I would go to this little town. It's about an hour away by car. Mm -hmm. And you would just order as many plates of tortelli you want with different sauces. And it just oh. is so delicious. My favorite is the duck ragu. Nice. Oh, interesting. That's by far my favorite. But during the quarantine, my husband and I actually made these tortelli from scratch. So we oh, made wow. the pasta, we made the filling. And it's really funny because since being here, I've kind of learned things in vecchia uh, maniera, so the old ways. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we, we learned how my husband took a pizza course, and he's a pizzaiolo. We have a, a 
wooden oven. So during the quarantine, it was just fantastic because we are very, very busy people. We have multiple jobs. I'm a teacher, and I'm also managing his apartments. And、right. then he has apartments, and he's also an engineer. He's an industrial engineer as his main job. Ah, very nice. That's awesome. So we're constantly running, juggling all this stuff.、Up. We had so much time due to lockdown because、mm-hmm. Italy locked down hard. It was nothing、right. like in the states. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was nothing. It was. It was kind of surreal, to be honest, because if I think back on it, and I'm sure you wanted to ask me this, it just naturally came by itself. It was just surreal the, the moment. It was like, you know, the only thing I can really compare the feeling to is we heard little whispers about it at school,、mm-hmm. and they were whispering about all these schools closing down. We still didn't really know what coronavirus was、mm-hmm. because Italy was the first country in Europe to get hit、right. by this coronavirus, other than like China. And I think the Koreas at that point were also getting hit.、Mm-hmm. And、um, just from one day to the next, it just closed down. The schools closed down.、Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, the teachers were like, "Yay, a little break!" Tired.、Oh. <laughs> But once we realized that everything was getting very serious, that's when it sunk in. And so, about four or five days later, that the schools closed down, the Conte came on the TV and he said, "Italy's going to." A very severe lockdown. That everyone should be staying home. They could only leave to go to the grocery store. One person per family. You have to wear masks. You have to wear gloves. You have to have your hand sanitized. You have to have your measurements taken for your fever. And it was just so surreal. And then the only thing I can really compare it to by watching that notice on the, the news was September 11th. Oh. When we found out, because it was that shocking surrealness, and I literally got the same feeling. Because、oh, wow. I was a child when September 11th happened, and、mm-hmm. I remember before school, my mom was just glued to the TV and just not talking. And that kind of like mournful silence was the same feeling that we got when the, the news of the lockdown happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an, definitely an interesting comparison, but I totally get it too. Absolutely. Something that's just absolutely so shocking that you definitely. Weren't expecting it, and especially since you're living in that country, and it hit so hard there. Yeah, no, there was there was too many deaths, way too many, and I feel like people really judged Italy and how they they did things. But you know what? To be honest, the Italian community is very very strong. I don't know if you saw the video of the Italians singing and playing music on the rooftops. Yes, I I saw that and I loved that. That is so amazing.、It's, that just shows you that in all、yeah. the. The death and despair that Italy went through, because it was bad. It was really bad. You,、mm-hmm. I got to the point where I couldn't even look at the news anymore, just to see the numbers of death, which was absolutely horrible.、Uh. So just to have a little bit of this glimpse of hope、mm-hmm. and this sense of community. That is Italian, right? It just made me so proud that I chose this country. Aw, that's really special. Yeah, I definitely could see that, and that's amazing. It's nice that everyone can just come together in a time of chaos and where you just don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. Yeah. yeah, and it was very surreal. There was like nature came back. The Venice canals were clear, and dolphins were swimming through them. Oh wow! <laughs> There was wild creatures 
going through the streets of Florence. I think there was a, a badger. Wow. And then where I live, I live slightly out of Florence. I live in the, the county wine region of Florence, about 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And there are wild boars, and they were just in the middle of town where people should have been. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. It was really funny. Yes. I know. I feel like it was good for, you know, the wildlife, at least, to kind of get a sense of being out and just kind of getting to explore. I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, as much as this year, 2020, had been one of the hardest years that we've had in a really long time, I think it was really important in many different ways because, yeah, it's a horrible thing. It really is, and it's out of our control. So there's what can you be scared of? You can be scared of your actions. You mm-hmm. can't be scared of something you can't control because th- you can't control it, you know? Yeah. So, but I really think that this was kind of, I don't want to say necessary, but I want to say it's a reminder right. that we need to be good to nature and then the fact that human beings have on the planet. Right. And that we're very much connected. The fact that nature had been away from the Venice canals for 30 years, dolphins haven't been there because they were murky due to the boats. Right. Yeah. And then when human was removed, mm-hmm. then nature came back. Right. Meaning that we, we're, we're seeing our direct effect of what we're doing to this planet. And I think it was a good reminder. Right. Horrible, horrible way of reminding us. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta look at the good thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is positive in there and that, that's so true. I feel like, you know, like we don't realize what we are doing to the planet and, you know, and then you see things like that happen and it's like a little bit of magic. It's just like bringing it back to life and it's just so interesting to see it, to see it that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. So what is it like teaching abroad? Oh gosh. So I've been a teacher for seven years. Mm-hmm. I actually did the TEFL certification course, which is teaching English as a foreign language, mm-hmm. and I did the uh, the same school you went to, so I did the same certification. So it's a one month school, and it's a very very intensive course. Right. So you start teaching the second week you're there. Yeah. And it was very practical, very on hand. You're learning on your feet. You're struggling. You're making lesson plans, but I really I have to really say that Kristen and her school did an absolutely amazing job mm-hmm. because I felt so prepared to teach them moment I finished. Right. Yeah. An incredible so school. my journey is kind of funny when it comes to being a teacher because Valerio convinced me to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm doing photography. Photography's been my thing. That's like all I've been wanting to do since I was like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. That was my drive in life mm-hmm. was the arts and photography and graphic design and um, filming and editing as well. So I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to. He's like, just you should do it because here you can find jobs really easily mm-hmm. being an English teacher. Ah. I was like, okay, well, you know, I need to find something while I look for photography job so yeah I'll do it mm-hmm. little did I know <laughs> that this would be my newfound passion in life and I'm so passionate about teaching and it was kind of a blessing in disguise because here in Italy the photography market is not as good as it was in the state mm-hmm. yeah. so because when I was 18 19 I opened up my own photography business and I was working as a professional photographer so I knew the business really well and it wasn't the fact that there, I wasn't able to do it but it's because there's no market yeah so yeah so I started out teaching at a language school mm-hmm. and I taught all ages I taught from four years old and up to adults and my adult my eldest adult was 80 years old oh wow <laughs> so I was younger on like 
I say I can teach you from 3 to 80. However, <laughs> you are not my instructor too. Amazing. And it was really fun, and I did that for four years. And I started a children's program. So the school I was working at had a children's program in the past, but they hadn't had one in many years, and they would, would like to restart. So I helped them kind of get the program started. Wow. And now they're a bilingual school, so they're wow. doing great. That's and I'm really so cool. proud of that accomplishment that I was able to help them from the very beginning, like start their program and grow it. And yeah. I was the coordinator of the children's branch. So like I was also training other teachers to kind of show them how they should be teaching kids and how it's different with every age group. Right. And by doing that, I was able to figure out what I enjoyed the most, and I absolutely love the littles. The little ones are my absolute favorite. <laughs> I love them so much, even though it's five times more difficult physically. Right. <laughs> and patience as well. So true. <laughs> I just, when I was teaching the little ones, I found that I was so happy and so joyous that I didn't feel like I was working anymore. Oh, that's amazing. And so three years ago, I decided to switch my job, and I found a job a little bit closer to where my apartment is in Florence. Mm -hmm. And I work at a preschool, and it worked out really well. At the very beginning, they weren't able to give me many hours, but I had a second income, so I was like, okay, it's my problem. I can manage one right. year. <laughs> and then they gave me a permanent contract, which is really hard to get in Italy. Oh, wow. And then this year they made me full time, so I'm oh, over the moon. That's amazing. That's so exciting. So I, yeah, I teach at a preschool. I teach from three, four, five. And <laughs> I teach English, but because I have so many hours now, I have expanded my program to include STEM activities. Oh, cool. And we do book of the month, so I like really dove into literature. And it's just they are learning so much. I'm able to have conversations with them and they're able to respond with me. And I was shocked because after Christmas break, they didn't forget a single vocab word. And I, that's the first time in my teaching career that that's happened. Wow. And I think it's because they have so much exposure to the English now. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. That's really, really awesome. So what is something that you really enjoy about teaching the little kiddos? So do you like to also like include some different fun activities and games in there as well? Oh, definitely. So I develop a special type of lesson plan just from learning hands-on what mm -hmm. works and what doesn't work. And then I research every year new techniques because I find in Italy that they're methods are a little bit older fashioned, like very traditional, mm -hmm. more like the lecturing and memorizing. Whereas in the States, you know, we have many, many, many different types of methodologies. Oh, yeah. So I do circle time. So we watch videos and we listen to music and we dance and we sing. Oh, wow. um, the three-year-olds were singing Five Little Ducks and they know every single word. Oh, cute. And they just love doing the hand motion of the duck on this is quack, quack, quack. <laughs> yeah. The little beak. Oh. And they just, they, we just have a lot of fun. And then we do, I do um, Cambridge listening activities. So I'm preparing them for one day when they want to take the exam. Mm -hmm. So we, I teach, pre-teach vocab, we review old vocab in a circle time. So it's 30 minutes of just playing games. We do high activity and then a low activity. High activity and low activity. Because uh -huh. the attention span of three, four, and five-year-olds is very, very short. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then once we get to like a 20, 30-minute mark, and I see that they're a little bit tired, I sit them down, and now it's time to work. 
So we get the colored pencils, they have a coloring page in front of them with all the vocab that we just learned. And I just, I always really believe in the natural approach, which is when you say things in full sentences Mm -hmm. and you say things naturally. And so the Cambridge way of doing this is you would say, do you see this? color it this color or I say color this this color and then they would do it and I would see who was able to remember the vocab Mm -hmm. and who maybe needed a little bit more help right yeah without pointing it out without calling them out that they they made a mistake Mm -hmm. that I was able to observe their understanding in a very positive constructive way yeah oh that's really amazing yeah. And then we do our closing song, and I have a train song for women in line. Nice. We have preschools, lots of singing and dancing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's fun, too. And that's really a great way for them to learn, too. I mean, and, you know, some of these songs that they become more and more familiar with if you do them more often, and then also, like, introducing some new songs. I feel like that's such a great way to learn a different language. It really is, because it, language, second language especially, it's really difficult. But up until the children are five years old. So this is, everyone talks about, oh, well, you know, it's so hard to learn second language as an adult. Yes, it is. But children have this thing called universal grammar up until they're around five years old. Four mm-hmm. or five years old is usually the cutoff. And at that point, once they get past four and five, then they choose their primary language or secondary language. So mm-hmm. even bilingual children are not truly bilingual unless the parents maintain it. So mm-hmm. it's very, very interesting when it comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's and then you have this other subdivision called the social language and the home language. So, for example, my husband and I speak English at home, and we don't speak Italian, but I'm bilingual, and so is he. So mm-hmm. I can speak Italian. I have a B2 level Italian. Oh, wow. So I read, speak, and write pre- almost fluently. There's wow. some words I don't understand. There's some grammar. I obviously make a mistake because Italian grammar is very difficult. Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah, that gets me too. And uh, the Italians always giggle about my American accent when I speak Italian, but it's not so bad. I mean, I, I'm starting to sound more Florentine. My, my Italian teacher, who has become my very, very good friend, she told me, oh my gosh, you're picking up the Italian, the Florentine sound, and the, you say Florentine dialect, and it's like you're Florentine yourself. Oh, <laughs> that's exciting. That's really cool. Yeah, so I don't know. Languages absolutely fascinate me. Just to study the, the brain and how you don't actually lose languages. You just It's a muscle, right? right? So if you don't speak or hear a language, you're going to lose that muscle. But if you practice it, you're building up your muscle and you're building up your language ability. Mm, right. So you, whenever you do lose a language and you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I put all that time and effort into learning that language and now I don't remember it anymore. It's not true. Your brain still remembers it. You just got to dust off those cobwebs and get back to it. <laughs> That's very true. Absolutely. Makes so much sense because if you're not putting it to use then you know it's likely to be more easily forgotten and then it might be a little bit difficult to pick it up again but yeah you gotta keep going at it yeah it's fantastic and then the bilingualism is also very very fascinating part of the but like i said it's very difficult to maintain so that's where you get these um especially in america when you have a first-generation American family, mm-hmm. and their parents try teaching them their language, but they only speak in English, replying. And mm-hmm. I have many parents that have an Italian-American family who don't understand why their son speaks only Italian, but he understands English perfectly. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I asked them, because like, the dad is American and her mom is Italian. Mm-hmm. So I asked them, well, what language do you guys speak at home? And we say, well, well we speak both. And I was like, well, that's where you guys made your first mistake. Mm-hmm. Because mom needs to speak Italian and only Italian. Mm-hmm. And dad needs to speak English and only English. Yeah. So that the boy is forced you speak in both languages right yeah yeah that makes sense absolutely that way it's like if he tries talking just in italian it's like no no practice english let's talk in english <laughs> exactly yeah. why he should just refuse that he even understands what he's saying right <laughs> yeah that's very true and that is a big part of it too because like For me, I'm in the process of learning Italian. I mean, I'm kind of like teaching myself through books and like songs and whatever. (laughs) And Duolingo. Self-study is really difficult as well. Yeah, it can be for sure. And, you know, it's like when you're not really like speaking it, because I can understand quite a bit of it, but just the matter of like speaking it and like you said, the grammar and everything, that's like putting it all together is really difficult for me. But yeah. Oh, and English and Italian don't translate at all. Mm, it's quite right. funny because the long I've been here for so long, <laughs> and now I'm working. Before I worked with an American and English staff, so like they were mother tongue English. Mm-hmm. Now I'm the only one who speaks English. All of my meetings are in Italian. Oh, wow. My boss speaks Italian. My colleagues speak Italian. Uh-huh. So I've just been like thrown into like my life is half and half. And it's really funny because there's some things in Italian that just describes things so perfectly Mm -hmm. that in English doesn't exist. I catch myself all the time translating Italian into English, and it (laughs) sounds horrible. And I talk to my mother sometimes, and she's like, you are forgetting your English. (laughs) I know it's really bad. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. It makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, I could totally get one of my friends. She's in Bergamo, and, you know, she's from there, so she's been living there. But she's writing a book, and it's in Italian, and she's, you know, she's, like, asked me to translate it into English, which is really, really amazing and fun. But sometimes, like, it doesn't translate very well certain things, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but the same experience. I had to translate a, a child's book that a colleague of mine wrote. Uh-huh. into English and it was really rewarding and thank goodness it was a child's book because it's very simple and easy right if it was a normal book I would go out of my mind yeah there's a huge learning curve that's happening and so yeah I'm sure your head is like pounding by the time you're finished translating <laughs> right yeah I just take it like little bits at a time I'll do it like a few pages and I'll be like okay I have to take a break now <laughs> yeah. yeah I actually have a really hard time translating because I'm very fortunate that I had a very good Italian teacher because she spoke to me only in Italian. I didn't even know she, I had no clue that she spoke English. Oh, wow. And she taught me from the very beginning in full Italian. To the, it, she taught my brain to think in Italian when I'm speaking Italian. So mm-hmm. I don't have that um, kind of like, I would say, buffering. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, you're kind of like just taking information and you're understanding it and then you're taking in English and you're translating it and just give this buffering moment. So I have this fluidity when I speak, mm-hmm. and a lot of Italians are quite amazed at that, but it's because I had a, a fantastic teacher, and it's really important your first teacher, because mm-hmm. they create the foundation of your language, like Valerio, he still makes really silly mistakes, because he had a teacher who wasn't very good in the very beginning. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And he, he speaks very, very fluently, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like, you know, it's... It, 
it's definitely all in finding that teacher that just works the best with you and that you you know you can absorb as much as you can from them because like not all teachers are gonna be for each individual student you know you have to find that that one that'll like that you work really well with that was also a really big learning curve for me because I went from 10 kids max to a class of 28 oh wow yeah so that was a huge learning curve for me because I'm so used to working more one-on-one with the kids and we obviously gained a lot more from that but also I feel like the group effort the group kind of being together learning as a a group you have to switch your thinking a little bit like what works for everyone and who's getting out of everyone and how do you help that child who's struggling without kind of like singling them out in a way to where the other kids make fun of them but I'm in preschool so my kids don't really understand what bullying is they don't know what they're so honest and pure right and they're hilarious (laughs) yeah Funny, I remember back before we were wearing masks all day long, I had decided to dress up and I put on like a very light shade of lipstick. So like it was just a shade darker than my natural color. Mm-hmm. And a little boy comes up to me and, you know, they come up to like my mid-size. So they're tiny. Right. <laughs> and he pulls on my, my, my sweater and he says, Teacher Michelle, why do you look so funny? <laughs> oh. And I said, what do you mean? Like, Your lips are a strange color. <laughs> Completely, this is pure honesty. Oh, it really <laughs> is. And the other, on the other side of the point is like when they say something sweet, mm. they really mean it. So my favorite, favorite thing about teaching preschool is I get in that classroom and I am attacked by a giant group hug. Uh-huh. And they make me lose my balance because they're so <laughs> tiny. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> yeah, and here in Italy, the Italian culture is very, very, very different. So, like, the difference between, like, American kids to an Italian kids, Italian kids, first of all, are chatterboxes. They never shut up. Yeah, they and they're good storytellers, I've come they to find. Just talk and talk and talk and talk and then another thing I noticed a huge difference is that they don't take turns talking they talk one over the other so the the the, the sound the noise just goes higher and higher and higher and higher I'm like oh my gosh I can't handle this anymore. well that's so true I know I remember that from when I was in no care the boys <laughs> that I was caring for they would always do like a little spectacular like little show and it was like <laughs> it, would, it was so cute but um, you could just see they were like so so excited but they were always like talking over each other and like trying to make sure that they were being heard and it was just so cute right <laughs> It's just, like, total need to be heard, you know? Right. <laughs> and then everything they say is so important. Oh, yeah. Of course. I've had... Uh, this is... Oh, this can be more true. I am part of teacher groups because, of course, those teachers need support and we need to have each other's backs. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of these teacher groups. And they there was this joke towards the uh, preschool and elementary like kindergarten teachers that said, the worst is when you have a student interrupt your lesson to announce to the class that their, their sister's favorite color. Everything is so important. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it's great. It really is. So the, the 
Italian kids are just chatterboxes. They're very affectionate, mm -hmm. and I'm allowed to have physical contact with them. So if they want to come up and give me a kiss on the cheek, they're allowed. Not now, but you right. know, back before COVID. Yeah. And if they want to give me a big hug, I'm able to give them a big hug. And if they want to joke around and tickle me, and I can tickle them. Like it's like we we don't have this restriction of like, oh my gosh, don't touch me, don't you know, get away from me, you're too close to me. Right. Italians are very affectionate. They're very loving. They're very expressive. I mean, just look at the way they talk. Their hands never stop moving. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. I know. Yeah. I, whenever I have a, a new teacher come in, so when I actually do the the kids portion of the TOEFL training course, so I teach mm -hmm. that section of how to teach young kids. Mm -hmm. And so I'm training other teachers, and they always ask me, oh, well, I've been teaching in the United States for so-and-so years. I'm like, you just wait. Like, Italians <laughs> are a different kind of monster. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, I hear, I hear that. <laughs> But they're amazing. You have these moments, and I will never forget Every teacher has that one troubled child that, like, just switches. Mm -hmm. And, like, those are the kids that make this work so worth it, makes right. the hard hours worth it, makes the struggle worth it. Because yeah. teachers are overworked, underpaid, and they just need more support. I can't tell you how much of my own money I have spent on these kids for the love of my job. Mm -hmm. right. And that my administration tries to support us, but they just don't have the resources and I think it's absolutely crazy that education is so defunded every single year there's less and less fun for education saying so we're growing the future right yeah that makes so much sense I mean I agree and I feel like it's so sad that it's like you know they can't see that like oh you know maybe some more money should be allotted towards teaching and education yeah. because I mean like as you said you know it's like you're building the future it's kind of interesting that they don't see it that way And not only that, but, you know, teachers don't really want to admit it, but a part of being a teacher is also the child services. So mm -hmm. you, as a teacher, are not only educating them and teaching them, but you're also watching them. Right. And you're also teaching them other things that are very valuable, like being polite, having manners, right. value lessons, morals, questioning big, big topics. Right. And it's crazy to think that some teachers limit themselves because they think, oh, yeah, they won't get that. Mm -hmm. I have had the most insane conversations with my littles mm -hmm. and they are just so curious about the world that I don't limit them if they want I mean we've been doing STEM so we've been learning about science engineering and all this technology and we don't really do a lot of maths because I mean obviously they're going to do that in their language but we did this um, magic bottle and what you do is you light a candle that's glued to a plate and then you put this plastic jar on top and it suctions the water that was in the plate It vacuums in it and then does like a vacuum seal. Oh, nice. And I had this discovery method of teaching. So I ask them open ended questions and I don't give them the answers. I let them figure it out by themselves. Yeah. So awesome. I was just sitting there asking the kid, and it took me 30 minutes to get the answer, the answer I needed. But I gave them the time and the space to get there. And I am able to do that because I work at a private school. I created my own program. I'm not forced to teach XNO and all these other things, which I know a lot of teachers do have that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so thankful that I have the liberty 
to do anything I want, and then I could really grow their mind, not only as an English teacher, but as a teacher in general, which I just think is absolutely amazing. Right. Yeah, that is amazing. And I love that, you know, using the, like, hands-on, where it's like they get to be in on all the fun and just, like, figure it out for themselves. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we did an engineering challenge with plastic cup. You know the plastic cup towers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I gave, I divided the class into three teams. And I gave them a certain amount of time. I did not tell them. I told them the goal was to have the highest tower. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about STEM is they're also really good for team building. And it's just so, like, great leadership and all this other thing. It's, like, much deeper than just the science or the engineering that you're learning at the moment. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So <laughs> they got to their teams and... Some of them were really struggling. Their cups, their cups kept falling. They kept, were getting mad at their teammate. <laughs> and I told them, and I said, try working together. Sit and think, and then try to figure it out together. So I took away the time limit. Because when you have little kids, they get distracted very easily. Mm-hmm. So you set a time limit, and then if you see that they're struggling, I just turn off the timer without them knowing it. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And they don't have any concept of time, so they mm-hmm. have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so when I sat them down and I saw everyone struggling, I stopped class and I said, all right, I see everyone's struggling. I'm going to give you a hint. And I showed them one way of stacking the cup to mm-hmm. where it was stable. Mm-hmm. Then it was just like a light bulb went off. And I love those light bulb moments. Yes. That's awesome. And they built a base, and instead of making the pyramid, which is what I was originally thought the outcome would be, mm-hmm. they decided to stack the cups, like the large ends, and like flipping the cup upside down, and it actually made a very, very tall tower without falling. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah, I wasn't even expecting guys to do that, and here they are, five years old. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think just amazing little things. I feel like if we give them the tools, kids can do anything. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's so rewarding to see that and to see them, you know, figuring it out. And, you know, even if they struggle, then, you know, helping them out a little bit, like as you gave them a little hint and then just seeing that light bulb and be like, oh, wow. Yeah. And then just seeing them go from there and just flourish. It's amazing. I've also really been enjoying the literature part of my, my teaching. And really, they love the Gruffalo. I'm not sure if you know the story or not. Um, I've heard of it. We're huge Julia Donaldson fans. We have <laughs> a million of her books. Nice. Because the Gruffalo is a very difficult book. It's way out of their age range mm-hmm. for a second language. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. the way that the books are written, they're very rhythmic. So they go with the flow. So you could actually sing them. Oh, nice. So there's songs that you could do. There's the song, The Gruffalo. And the kids love being scared. And they have like a little claymation movie that's like 25 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So we, we do we go into a deep dive in these literature books. And um, they just love The Gruffalo. And I even bought these little toys where they just like miniaturized plushies of the characters and they just go nuts they love gruffalo week they just (laughs) every year they ask me are we reading the next book this time like we've read it a million times they're like can we reread it again i'm like you guys i have other books for you guys (laughs) (laughs) 
they just love the guacamole. Absolutely love it. And then for Christmas, we did the Polar Express. Oh, nice. And I, I even made them their own little ticket. How cute. And there's this whole scene in the movie, the Polar Express, when the, you know, when the ticket flies out the window. Right. And they said, make sure you guys have your tickets. And they held on to them so <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and then at the end, when they arrived at the, the Christmas village, I took back tickets, and then I wrote a kind word about them in a gold pen. Oh. And then I gave it back to them when they got back on the train. So, like, it was just like in the movie. But yeah. that little extra was just so much fun to do. And then I, the kids during Christmas are just, they're so much fun. I convinced them that the, the little elves that they made were real because I would move them every single day. Very so, nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's wonderful. Aww. I absolutely love teaching it. I'm sure you can hear the passion. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. It's so fun. And I love, that's like the best thing too, is hearing like the fun stories that like really stick out to you and, you know, that make it so memorable. Like, yeah, that Polar Express story too that's really fun and you know it's so special for them because you know it's going to be something that they remember for a long time I'm really hoping I make an impact on your kid's life and like I don't really I'm not really worried about them remembering me or for me if they had one moment where they felt special and they felt that they were worthy that's all I want as a teacher right yeah I don't care about anything else I don't care about being recognized with my boss but with admins the kids are my number one and that's all I care Right. Yeah. I feel like that's really key. It's so important to not get caught up in, you know, all the other stuff, but the kids really, that's like the biggest thing. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. And for me during this lockdown, because I'm so connected to these kids, it was really hard because we went from seeing them every single day to absolutely nothing for six months. Mm, Right. Because we finished school at the end of June. So we finished on June 30th. And so we got into lockdown. I believe that our last day at school was March 3rd, March 4th, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the Italy locked down on March 12th. And so we were making videos and that was interesting, but there was no interaction with the kids. We were just sent, making these videos and like sending them out into the void. Mm-hmm. And wow. you know, everyone's worried and everyone's scared and it was a scary moment. But for me, I really, really struggled without having that contact. So we finally got permission from the parents and from the school to do video chat Mm -hmm. you can imagine video chats with little little tiny kids that are three four and five years old (laughs) right so we had to get the parents involved as much as possible and we had to make sure they were okay with being on screen you know there's all this mess that goes into it right Mm -hmm. but i do have to say i cried so hard all their faces. <laughs> oh, oh, I could imagine. Yeah, after not having seen them for so long. Yeah, or not being able to see them in person, have that contact for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. my job, especially as a preschool teacher, is so much physical contact. When they're mm-hmm. feeling sad, they need cuddles and hugs and kisses. Right. And it, there's just there's so much physical connection that when you don't have that anymore, it was just I kind of got lost. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so at that moment, I realized that the teaching wasn't just a job for me. I had some kind of idea before that, but after the that particular moment, I knew that this was just my calling. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and it's nice to come to that, you know, to actually figure it out and be like, yeah, this is what I'm meant to do in life. So that's really amazing. It just uh, took me to a different country in a whole different <laughs> way of doing it. <laughs> 
because you know a lot of people can get lost in all the just in everything because it does take a lot but I know that once you actually get there and you know you get beyond the initial craziness that it's totally worth it it definitely is um I just had a seminar with this, um, my side hustle recently and there was a motivational speaker and what she said to me or said to the group was just really hit me mm-hmm. is that inspire is a verb mm-hmm. it's something you have to do right so it's not it, you can't just be inspirational you have to inspire it's something that you have to inspire others by doing it by showing it by constantly working on it and there is no just stagnant part of it you can't just inspire people by sitting on your butt at home you know right <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> no it takes a lot more than that so that is really true even if you are home I mean this quarantine has shown us all like the worst side of things being taken away from our social life taken away from everything that we know right but Mm -hmm. you see that there's so much good in even like taking a break there's so many people who are neglecting their mental health right and now they're like forced to deal with it and it's gonna make better people watch that 2021 is gonna be an amazing year, even if we have another year of math, another year of partial lockdown, lockdowns, whatever it is, people have grown, they have relit that fire inside of themselves, and they're starting to believe, I can do it, right. I survived this, this isn't the worst, all those problems I had in the past, it wasn't the worst, I've been through worse now, now it's time to like get my motivation back, 
and kind of just move forward because there is no going back. There is no <laughs> saying I don't have time because right. we obviously all found out that there's an abundance of time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and it was really, really cool to see all these things that people were doing during quarantine. Like my husband and I were making pizza and bread and like kind of like going back to the old days and we have bees, so we were learning about how to do our beehive, and um, we have olive trees, so we did all the oil, we harvested the olives, we went to oil refinery, we got the oil done, and then we have vineyards, so we also make wine, so it's like we got to mm. do all this really cool stuff yeah. <laughs> that maybe during work period that it just got pushed off to the side, you know? Right. But it's all about prioritizing and kind of making like, okay, well, what do I want? How do I get there? And what's stopping me? And then you have to clean up your list mm-hmm. and be like, okay, well, what's possible and what's out of my control? Because right. we only have control of the things that we can actually physically or mentally do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you convince yourself that it's not possible or it's just a dream, it's going to stay that way. That's so true. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I feel like out of all the craziness that a lot of people, most people have really grown so much because just like you guys over there, you know, you've started doing things that you maybe wouldn't have done otherwise if you didn't have that time. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's really helps people to grow and it's just so incredible no I really honestly think that even if we have a year similar to 2020 mm-hmm. I feel like people in general are just better right yeah and then you have those who are a little off the rockers but you <laughs> let them stay there so. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good place they could just stay where they're at <laughs> while everyone else does their thing <laughs> No, but um, whoever really wants to teach abroad, uh, and this is something that we have discussed before, it's really, there's so many different ways of doing it, but I honestly have to say from a visa standpoint that the easiest way to get working and to move abroad is to study. Ah, right. Because, yeah, and unfortunately, it's just one of the easiest visas to get. Mm-hmm. It's um, an eight-day long-term. You can renew them three times, so you can have up to three years, which is not bad. And then with a student visa, mm-hmm. you can work 20 hours a week, so you can work part-time. Mm-hmm. And it's all legal. It's all perfectly, you know, in order. Um, you have to, I know in Italy, you have to spend around... I can't remember the lowest amount of money, but it has to like be justified at last one year. Mm-hmm. And from there, once you have your student visa and you're here, it's super easy to convert it. It's super easy to convert to a work visa or into whatever your next step is. So that's always been my advice to people. Because I do have people who randomly see posts I put on Facebook and they contact me on Facebook asking me, how did you do it? I want to do it. I don't know how to do it. Right. Well, and then working as an English teacher in Italy, especially, mm-hmm. is like a gold mine. There's so many opportunities. Yeah. Now, Italy, you know, we're taking an economical crisis. So things are going to change. But the English teachers are always needed. And there's always a will. And there's always a need for this work. So as long as you kind of get your foot in the door and say, okay, well, I'm going to do this you can do it and there will be a job you just have to be willing to put the energy into it get a good portfolio do your TEFL do if you have a bachelor's degree or teaching credentials that's even better because you can teach at public schools Mm -hmm. and it's just you have this wide range of things you can do you can work for adults you can do private lessons 
you can do private lessons online, so you can work from your home. Nice. With kids or adults, there's so many possibilities, and there's so many resources. You just have to be willing to put the research in and figure it out. And right. I would really advise people who want to do this not to just commit halfway. Right. You got to know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because I've seen this happen a lot. I've seen people come here, do the courses study they really want to live here they really want to make it work but they can't find a job right and it's like well you can't find a job because you weren't researching what they're looking for like what you do with any job right yeah makes sense it takes a lot of work to you know to get it figured out and fine-tuned but I think once you actually get it then it's like so rewarding and then I think and it's nice that you have so many different options as far as like teaching others, you know, in public schools or online, you know, private tutoring, things like that. It's really awesome to have that kind of flexibility. And then, like, also as the au pair thing, as you mentioned, like, if you're just a mother tongue and maybe you don't want to teach, you can also take that route. And there's a huge, huge opportunities there as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You get to meet some fun families. And- you get to have family, you have the security of being in a safe spot being fed, having a place to live, which are just costs that maybe you couldn't afford. So like like with me, I came across that, that hiccup, that first wall. And, you know, that could have been the end of my story. Mm-hmm. Right. It really could have. I could have just been like, okay, I guess it's not going to happen. It's too hard. Right. Yeah. Could have stopped right there. But you didn't. I didn't. I'm <laughs> one determined lady. No, it's not the answer for me. I will find a different solution. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you did it. It seems like you're just living such an awesome life over there. I really am, and I, you know what? I do people say I have a Hallmark movie film life, and I'm like, well, yes, I know. <laughs> the one thing that I do not like about Italy is the Italian bureaucracy. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Doing anything is just such a struggle here. It takes a really long time, mm-hmm. but you know what? You say, oh, it's Italian time. Have a glass of wine. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the people. You'll get it done eventually, right? <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. That's true. <laughs> That's Italy in a, in a, in a, in a bubble. bubble. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is. Oh, gotta love it, though. Oh, definitely. There's, there's two sides to every coin. There's the right. good, there's the bad. Can't pretend that there is nasty things in the world, but if you're willing to look at positivity in every situation, it's going to make you a better person and it's going to make you more successful in life. Right. Oh, yeah. It absolutely will. That's a great way to put it. That's so true. So, this is just like a random question because I just love everything about like going abroad and experiencing the culture. So, how do you celebrate holidays over there? Oh, okay. So, am I Catholic? So I don't mm-hmm. celebrate Catholic holidays. Right. Um, my husband is not religious, so he's not really into mass or church or anything. So I'm not really, like, thrown into the Italian holidays so much. Mm-hmm. There is, like, the Bifana just came by. Oh, and yeah. um, the old witch who brings the gifts instead of Santa. So mm-hmm. you leave the stockings near the fireplace and the, the Bifana and the old witch leaves you gifts or she leaves you coal. There you go. I proved you like do forget my English. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But um I do celebrate American holidays here, believe it or not. We have two big blowouts. I celebrate um Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. We nice. have a huge barbecue and by all my Italian friends. Mm-hmm. I light up the grill and I do burgers and I do hot dogs. 
And I make a cake, and I have my California flag, and I have American flag, and we just we just have a little party, you know. Yeah. I'm American. I may not be 100% anymore, but I right. do celebrate my my origins, you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I always, I always say I'm a hybrid. I'm Italian American now. Right. <laughs> not by blood, by choice. Yes, absolutely. And the other holiday that always celebrate this is actually the very first year we did not celebrate it is thanksgiving ah okay nice believe it or not since i moved to italy 10 years ago i have always celebrated thanksgiving mm-hmm. every oh. single year and it, yeah it's been a challenge because there's a lot of ingredients that are missing uh-huh. right <laughs> but you know i just love thanksgiving it's actually my favorite holiday because it's not about gifts it's about people and about being grateful and sharing that gratitude. Right. And it's such a beautiful holiday. And, you know, my dad's side of the family is Native American. So although, you know, later on it's become something else, but the origins was two drastically different cultures coming together. And even though history had an ugly end at the end of it, that mm-hmm. first dinner was very wholesome. Mm-hmm. And I think that us as an American generation, we need to leave history where it was instead of constantly redefining it because Thanksgiving is a beautiful, beautiful tradition and a holiday because Christmas is all about gifts and about, you know, this spirit and all this joy, but there's also like this really fundamental focus on the gift giving. Right. Whereas Thanksgiving is just about being together and eating insane amount of food. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's really wonderful. My guests, love it we i cook for 17 people usually or 17 is our max because we don't have any more space in our living room oh wow <laughs> and like my husband like built an extension onto our table so that we can sit all at the same table so we have one really really long table for our house people amazing <laughs> and i cook everything from scratch because i don't have any pre-ingredients so i make the turkey i put it in the brine the day before and then I put in the tiny oven. Sometimes I have to like fight with it to get the oven because our ovens are very tiny here. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> One time I got like a 35 pound turkey and wow. it would not fit. And I started crying. I'm like, no, Thanksgiving tomorrow. What am I supposed to do? Oh, no. <laughs> because we don't have frozen turkeys. I have to go and order a turkey at the butcher and I'm able to order a female or a male. The males are heavy, like they're from 20 to 30 pounds. And then the females are really small, so like they're 10 to 15. So like there's Mm -hmm. a huge gap. Yeah, jeez. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. So now I've been getting the females and I would rather them like pick it clean. Right. Rather than leaving with half turkey, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I make turkey, I make mashed potatoes and gravy. I make cranberry sauce if I can find cranberries. It depends on the year. Mm-hmm. I make uh, apple herb stuffing, and then I make uh, orange herb stuffing because I do have some people with allergies. Mm-hmm. And that's my Thanksgiving dinner, and it's oh. this huge layout, and Italians have no idea what it is. So I always have <laughs> someone who's been with us for many years, who's been to every single one of our Thanksgiving, that they're like the, you know, <laughs> they're the veterans of Thanksgiving dinner, you'd say. Oh, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> When it comes to the speech time, they know what to do. And then when the new people come, they're like, what? There's a speech? No one told me about this. Uh, <laughs> I regret everything. Uh-oh. Man, that's but it's great. so interesting to show this culture and this new thing to Italians who have no idea. Like, they, not, they Thanksgiving's only celebrated in the United States. Right. Yeah, that's so amazing. 
painting. I love that. That's awesome that you get to share that bit of your culture with the Italians and with your friends over there. That's, I bet they yeah, totally. Yeah, we go all out. <laughs> My husband like creates the menu. He writes all the ingredients in Italian because every year I get asked, oh, what's this? What's inside? I'm like, I'm so tired from cooking for three days. I don't have time to answer your question. Right. Because I make it all on my own, and this is one thing I really do miss is making Thanksgiving dinner and just bringing one dish. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's fun. I really love it. I go all out. I put like fancy decorations on the table and my glassware, and we just have a really an amazing time. And I'm really, really thankful that I was able to bring that little piece of my American culture to Italy. And that I always call them honorary Americans. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they, they really love it. And they always ask me every year, oh, is there, is there room at the table for us this year? Because it's really a battle to see who can come or no. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. It's awesome that everyone loves it so much. I could imagine that must be so much fun. Yeah, and then with the, when it comes to Italian holidays, we have, there's some ones that are not celebrated in the States, like the Bifana is one of them, mm-hmm. which is the 6th of January. When I explained that one a little bit earlier, Earlier. And then we each town has a saint, so there's that day that they celebrate the saint to their town. Mm-hmm. And so in Florence, it's the 28th of June, mm-hmm. and uh, they have fireworks, and it's really cool stuff. Then there's Ferragosto, which is the 15th of August, and it's just the celebration of summer. Oh, because nice. unlike American, Italians go on holiday, majority of companies, I can't say all, mm-hmm. in one month of August. So they're with one month of vacation every year. Oh, that's so awesome. So, yeah, it's it's funny because you see all the Europeans at the beaches. <laughs> and it's not just Italy. It's, like, all of Europe. Like, they yeah. all have the same month off. That is amazing. I know. I always thought that was really cool because my host family, when I was in Gicodella, um, they said that in August they get to go to Sicily, and that's, like, just their time, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really cool. And it's really interesting, the dynamics of vacation for Italy. It's very different than Americans. Italians love to do group vacations. So you would go on a vacation with really good family friends and their family. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like this group effort. And like we have some friends who they meet once a year and they decide the destination for that year. And it's like four families and all of their kids. And then you have your more intimate ones where it's just like the couples. And then the kids get left with grandma and grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it, it just depends. But the fundamental thing about Italy, which makes it much different than most cultures, is it's all about family. Right. Yeah. It is all about family. And as much as sometimes it annoys me, Sunday we have Sunday lunch. Mm-hmm. So we meet with his family. I have every single Sunday we have lunch together. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice time to get it. I mean, it's sometimes annoying because, you know, sometimes you just don't want to go. You're tired or you right. maybe you would rather do something else. But it's also nice to have that consistency right. to know that after a week of not seeing each other, you're going to see each other talk and enjoy a meal together so for me it was kind of new because you know americans are kind of like everyone's (laughs) on their own road and everyone does their own thing and whereas italy is like they they even take a longer lunch period because the kids in middle school and high school they only have half days so they go home for lunch Mm -hmm. so mom and dad would go home and possibly cook if they have the opportunity to do that right so no it's just the entire life is revolved about family like they work to live they don't live to work right and that is amazing i feel like that's how it should be everywhere (laughs) 
that's what makes me live here because you know Italy is in dear country to the United States it's not as wealthy it's not as big it's not has many opportunities but their cores and values and culture are way richer than any other place I've been in anywhere in my life right yeah absolutely that's really amazing I think that's really special and I think Italian culture is absolutely incredible we can take a lot from that so cool well it's been so amazing chatting with you oh, i know i'm sorry we chatted for so long <laughs> no it's okay i know time just goes by so fast so do you have any last minute thoughts or anything you'd like to share man i said so much but i think that if people so i always have my friends asking me you know i really want to come visit you but i don't have the money right. and this is the advice i always give them you need three thousand mm-hmm. to be comfortable yeah. that includes the flights so if you put away, if you stop that nasty habit you have of paying overpriced coffee <laughs> or going out to lunch, and you kind of just cut those leisure items off your list, and you put that money you save aside, it could be 50 bucks a month, it could be 100 whatever you can manage, slowly you will get there. And then you will get that 3000 and you can have an amazing vacation. For I would recommend if you're going to go to Europe, try to go for three weeks because like, it's so accessible. You can get anywhere really, really easily. You can go to another country and there's like one hour flight, so mm-hmm. it's really easy to jump around. But if you're with the jet lag and the travel time, two days to travel out here mm-hmm. and then one day to travel back so you're going to lose three days just on travel time right and then people always ask me okay well what's the when's the best time to visit italy so the best time to visit italy is in may mm-hmm. and then in autumn so around september october oh nice that's good to know yeah so the reason why you want to avoid the summer the summer is the rush of tourism florence before the quarantine lockdown covid we get 10 million tourists every summer. Oh, wow. Yeah, the streets are packed. You cannot move. And then even just, it's hot, it's humid in Italy. So it, it's really uncomfortable. Right. And in Florence especially, it's a city. And it's in a valley. So it's really, really, really hot. Never come to Florence in August. That's the absolute worst month to go. Oh, that's good to know for sure. You know, everyone's on their vacation. There's a lot of businesses closed because a lot of them are going on vacation right anywhere in the center is going to be open for sure because essentially they need to be open for tourism mm-hmm. but it is the hottest month of the entire year and it is miserable and florence is full of mosquitoes so you'll be eaten alive oh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah so may is a wonderful time spring is beautiful in italy you have all of the you know the wildlife come back to so the hills are turning green again it's hot enough to go to the beaches and the beaches are empty because everyone's still working right all the kids are still in school exactly or june <laughs> like the very beginning of june or at the end of may that's a really good moment to come nice. my all-time favorite moment is september october kids are back to school mom and dad are back to work and italy is the opportune time for food and food is my travel language <laughs> yes <laughs> so when i travel i focus on food and culture and, and then some monuments if it's worth it to see but those are the two things i focus on are food and culture italy in the autumn has new wine new oil mushrooms they have chestnuts they have 
all this yummy, delicious food, and there is no tourism. It's starting to cool off, but it's still hot. So if you go to the seaside, the warm water is still there. It's not too cold, and the beaches are empty. So it's just those two moments are like the best time to come. And I repeat, you need at least two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have jet lag. You're gonna wake up at like 5 a.m. in the morning, and then go to sleep in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> That's the absolute worst. Yeah. If you want to be the jet lag, the key is to keep yourself awake. So if you get there in the morning, you need to stay awake until the night because then your body resets by itself. Yes. But I, cause I travel back and forth every year. So I go home once a year during the summer. I'm a teacher, so I have the luxury of having the summer spring. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I go home for like a month. I get to see my family, my little nephews, who I absolutely adore. <laughs> and we talk on FaceTime all the time. So, yes, it's been hard during this COVID because it was the first time I didn't get to go home. Mm-hmm. And it's been hard for me not to see my family. But we have FaceTime, and now my family spread out all over the United States. So yeah. even if I was there, it would take me a while to Right. (laughs) Yeah. That happens over time. Everyone kind of gets scattered. (laughs) Yeah, it does. But but, yeah, the the best thing to do is just save up three three grand, Mm -hmm. stay for two and a half weeks, give yourself a little bit, a day or two of like readjusting. So don't like do a pack your schedule from the very first day you arrive. You're going to feel really, really gross the first day just because of the jet lag and the time difference. Right. Because California and Italy are nine hour difference. Yeah. And from where I am, it's eight hours, so I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, so crazy. So right now, it's almost six o'clock for me in the evening. Yeah, right, and here it's about ten. <laughs> so whenever it's night, it's morning, and morning is night. <laughs> yes, right, it's totally opposite, it's funny. Awesome, well, that's great, and then is there a way, I don't know, are you still doing your photography? Is there a way that anyone listening, if they wanted to check out your work, that they can do so? I have Instagram, so if you guys want to check out the Instagram, yeah. M underscore Nestor Photography. And I have all my stuff on Instagram. That's where I mostly focus on my photography at the moment. Cool. And I just kind of post stuff about my daily life. But yeah, no, and I also have a blog. If you like, I'll give you the link. You guys can check it out as well. Yeah. So the blog, it was more when I first moved here. I was really, really active. But I've been kind of picking it up here and there. Depends on what I'm doing in my life. Right. I feel inspired to write. Oh, awesome. That's cool. And that's the best thing about blogging is you kind of just do it anytime you feel like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so send me that link for sure, and then I'll include that in the description so everyone can check it out. All right. Well, it's been so amazing talking to you, and I'm so glad that we finally got to catch up after all these years. I know. It's been so long. It's been awesome getting to hear your story and just, yeah, so amazing. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. There you have it. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. And totally go check out Michelle's blog and just see what she's up to in Italy because definitely it's just so cool. She's got a lot of amazing things going on in her life over there. So it's very inspiring and so interesting. So totally check it out. And I will catch you in the next one.